Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Shabbat Shalom. I am, uh, I am not a preacher. I am a teacher. I've been teaching for a number of years, whether on a college campus or at the center. I have been with the center for probably 17 years. And uh, we're talking about relationships, aren't we, this morning? Uh, and relationships are hard. You would think working in ministry, relationships wouldn't be that hard, but relationships are hard. I will tell you that I have prepared this lesson probably four different times. And I think it's a hard lesson because I, I, I want to talk about the church of which we are part of, all of us, the church, the body of Christ. And recently I have done a, a 16 hour video on relationships. And so I wanted to try to pull some of that information in there so that it would not take me as long to prepare something for you. Hope it just didn't work out that way. Uh, as I prepared and, and thought I was done, uh, I spent time with uh, family yesterday, not that we did the day before, but I watched my grandkids and my kids pick up instruments and begin to play. And they played as a unit and they sang songs as a unit. It did my heart good because I believe as you have already seen the scripture in Deuteronomy 6 dealing with relationships and what we are to do in those relationships that is to teach and to teach our children as they grow up. That is, we are to teach them day and night, sitting, standing, going out and coming in so that they will know what the Lord God, Jehovah, expects of them. So as I got home from that, I began to make some, some differences in, in notes because the Lord was really touching my heart. And as the scripture showed this morning, I said, Lord, you are confirming where I'm supposed to be. So I want to start in the beginning, and I'm not going to tell you, I know I'm not going to tell you anything new this morning, because I'm really just going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you about what the Lord has laid on my heart about the body of Christ. We're talking about relationships. And I think as we look into today, we can see the mess that we're in in terms of relationships. And as I say that, I remember my early years 
and I'm going back into the 60s for that, a book called uh, uh, I'm Okay, You're Okay by Dr. Harris. And what I learned by studying God's word was, you know what? We're not okay. And it is only the Lord, as we allow him to change us, and I'll get to that near the end of where I'm going. Did you tell me I had two hours? <laughs> you haven't noticed, because I guess I'm pretty far away from most of you right now. My wife said to me, before you leave the house, why don't you have breakfast? And I said, no, I'll just grab something real quick before I get to the synagogue. So it did. And my wife usually says to me when we go out to dinner somewhere, don't you need your bib? And so I didn't bring a bib with me and so I've got, I've got spots and wrinkles on my shirt. So at least you can see those, but there's still spots and wrinkles that my Lord and Savior are working on in me. And I know as you sit in front of me, being a counselor for more than 40 years, I ain't the only one in here who's got those spots and wrinkles. So let us go to the beginning as I started out, and let's look at how God views relationships. And again, I don't think I'm going to tell you anything new. I enjoyed your worship service. I could never be a rabbi because there's too much singing. <laughs> And I can't carry a tune, so I would have never worked out as a rabbi. But anyway, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm not there anyway. But, all right. Uh, I, usually in church, I would say to you, why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, and let's look at verse 18. But I'll take the liberty of reading you, Genesis 2, verse 18. And 18 goes on, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, what does that indicate about God? Well, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about community. We're talking about relationships in that community. And so what I see in just in, just in that one verse and in the very beginning of Genesis, I see that the Lord is very, very concerned about relationships extremely concerned about relationships. And he is sensitive to our needs as well. And here what he does, obviously, as you know, so that Adam is not alone, he takes a rib of Adam's form, Eve, and gave him what I call a helpmate. And I think he calls her the same. Now that is for me the beginning of a relationship not just only with the Lord, but with others. And we'll get there at some point then. Not only that, but it signifies to me that a man and a woman is what is referred to as marriage. It is between a man and a woman. But, is it, but isn't it interesting that as he forms Eve and they become one, they worship, 
and serve the Lord. Now hear what I just said to you. They worship and serve the Lord. Sounds like the beginning of church, doesn't it? So is church also parallel to what marriage ought to look like? I think so, but you know, you may disagree with me. Now remember, he says that he made him a helpmate. That doesn't, doesn't mean that she is identical to him in every way. That means she stands on her own and as there are times when there is differences and those differences cause conflict. Those differences cause conflict. And we know that as we move further into Genesis, we will see how that conflict erupts. Okay, let me review real quick. God is a relational God. And the question is, do we have the relationship that we want with him? And if we do, how do we share that relationship in community? Because if I have learned one thing in counseling, it is that I say one thing and I do another. So what we've said in, in the counseling ministry is that our purpose is to bridge the gap between the scripture and how we believe. Because in our behavior, in our behavior, we demonstrate how we believe. And that's not just to others, because I have to remember that the plane we're talking about in terms of relationships earthly is horizontal. But I'm also talking about the vertical relationship. Because you see, the way we treat others is also the way we treat him. We know the rest of the story in Genesis even though they were in worship with this God, they fell. You will say, okay, they were tempted by Satan. They were tempted by the devil. But I will say to you, it was something in their hearts that drew them away from this holy God. They aren't the only ones that have been drawn away from this holy God because of something that's in our hearts. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we go along. I'm afraid the way we relate to people in our community as well as outside the community demonstrates what's going on in our hearts. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that the Lord is putting relationships in your life to show you the condition of your own heart and to say to you, 
Can I love this person unconditionally? We'll get there as well. I recently, uh, I recently looked at a survey that was done by Barner, and he completed the survey in February of this year. And the survey went on with a number of questions. Uh, most of the people who were caught up in that survey were identified. In fact, 70% of those people in that survey were identified as believers. And here's a culmination of two items, I think, that I want to share with you. Almost 60% of the believers that took this survey believe that they are saved by good works. That is, essentially, they believe that they may save themselves and go on to an afterlife. Now, I'm not sure at that regard whether they believe in heaven or hell, but they believe that they can save themselves by simply doing good works. I've studied enough of the Word of God to know I can't save myself. And this is the reason I need a savior. This is the reason I need a Messiah to save me. 60%. But it gets worse. Almost 70% of the believers who filled in this survey said, I really don't have to have faith in anything specific. I can have faith in anything and be saved. Now we're talking about community. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about teaching our children as in Deuteronomy 6. And you and I are growing up in a world where the Word of God becomes more and more and more diluted. So I want to ask the question. Are we failing as the body of Christ? Are we failing as the body of Christ? Because God has called us to one body, one spirit, one church. So I had to ask myself this question, and I've asked myself this question uh, a number of times as a counselor and as a teacher. What is it? What is it that prevents me? from being who God has called me to be. And so as, as I prayed about this lesson, I came up, I think the Lord has spoken to me about three things that prevents me from being first the individual that God has called me to be. Secondly, 
The relationships I fail in daily. I am to be in relationship with other people. I am not to be alone. I am not to be by myself. So here are the three. Now, you know, I could have probably gone on with all due respect to you this morning with eight or nine. But I'll try to leave it to three. And these are the three that these are the three that I picked. And as you listen, you will probably say, well, you know, I think that it ought to be, sure it ought to be. These are the three that I kind of felt the Lord was, was really speaking to me about. What is the barrier? What is the barrier? I think it's fear. I think it's fear. And I broke that into, into three different areas. One is diversity. One is judgment. And the third is the gifts of spirit. Now remember when I'm talking about community, I'm not only talking about myself, I'm not only talking about the church, I'm talking about those outside the church and what they see and what they hear. So the first one I'd like to talk about is diversity. The question I ask you is, who has created diversity? I believe it's the Lord God himself. He has created diversity. He started that by giving Adam a helpmate. Because while they are both made in his image, they have their gifts, their talents, their desires, their needs individually. And God wants to bring that together. The same is in the church and the same is in our communities that we serve. As I said earlier, the church certainly parallels marriage. I want to take a look and, and since I know that you guys study the Bible a great deal, I'm a little envious of that. Although if I, if I admit that, I'm probably sinful by saying I'm envious. So <laughs> I want to take you back to writings of Paul. The first century church. And I think Romans and, and Corinthians, the church at Rome and the church at Corinthians are, are two really good examples about that. We have... As the church was beginning, we have the Jewish population that has received the Messiah. And we have the Gentiles that are receiving the Messiah. So if you talk to me about oil and water, you're talking about the early church. So as we sit here thinking that everything went smooth in those churches, Paul wouldn't have written what he wrote in those two books and others. So what was, what was Paul's common theme really in those two books? It was unity in the body of Christ because the early church was beginning to separate. The Gentiles going off on their way and the Jews going off on their way. And for, in fact, one of the guys that I listened to in terms of previous years 
said that if you thought the body of Christ was in bad shape, the church at Corinth was like a, a dumpster on fire. I'm not sure I'd say it was a dumpster on fire, but that's what he referred to. So you see, we've been through this before, but it's like we don't learn anything because of it. Or maybe it's because we don't study it enough. Maybe it's we don't meditate on what's gone on before us. Diversity, certainly diversity in the first century church, certainly diversity in, in marriage. I understand from statistics that Sundays, and maybe even Saturdays, are one of the most segregated times of worship for anyone. Isn't the body of Christ inclusive? Are we not to include all ethnic backgrounds, races? Are we doing a good job or are we not doing a good job? How about people who are different from us? Diversity, differences. Do we trust them? Or do we take a lot of time wondering what they're all about? What their motive may be? Now again, I'm talking about people in the body of Christ. We have to remember that our community is like a melting pot. You hear that phrase over and over and over again. Do our churches resemble that melting pot? And finally, I must remember that each of my brothers and sisters, each of my brothers and sisters have been made in his image. And this God that I worship and serve loves them as much as he loves me. You know, somehow I forget that. Somehow I forget that. Are the people in your community, in your congregation, are there people here? Are there people on Zoom watching us that are uncomfortable? And if so, why? You may say, well, it's because it's something they, have you made them comfortable? Are you working to make them comfortable? See, we must unconditionally love people where they are. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to stay with his image. Now, I'm not telling you anything new, as I've said before. But what does this mean to be made in his image? If I remember the scriptures, the Lord God threw the stars into the sky. And not only did he throw the stars into the sky, but he named each one of them. Why did he do that? I believe each one had a purpose. It had a meaning. And had significance of some kind. So when I say that, I say that we are made in his image. Are we special in his eyes? Yes, we are. His word tells me that we are. 
But what does that mean? Does it mean I have a specific purpose? I think so. Does that mean I have specific talents? I think so. And we'll talk more about that as we go through the lesson. So it isn't just we've been made in his image. We are special in his eyes, each one of us. We have gifts and talents, and we have purpose. And we have purpose. I know for those of you here who've been through our counseling program, I, I hear, I hear people say, I have no purpose. I have no purpose. So I say to you, how can they relate in the body of Christ? Don't know yet. Let's see what the Lord does. Let's see what the Lord does. Diversity is number one. Causes us fear because people are different from us. Second thing is that we tend to judge our brothers and sisters. By the way they talk, by the way they dress, by their opinions, ooh, ooh, by their opinions and their beliefs. Not only do we judge them by their opinions and beliefs, but we, watch, we judge them by their behaviors. Yes, we do. I know I'm guilty of that. I'll go over to my son's house. I love him dearly. And my grandsons, if they're not outside hollering and screaming, they're on video games. Sometimes day in and day out. I can mention that to him, but at this point in time, he doesn't see anything wrong. So what's my course of action? My course of action is simply to pray for him and them. Have we judged people because of how they've raised their kids? How about this one? This is a hot topic right now. How about conservative versus liberal? I'm not going there any further than that. Here's what I found. Would you agree with me when I say in your congregation, in your community, there are strong brothers and there are weak brothers? Do the strong brothers judge the weaker brothers? Or are they able to love them unconditionally? See, all the things I'm talking about affect us in terms of our relationship with each other and our relationship with him. And finally, I want to get down into the gifts of the Spirit. In that area, we tend to compare ourselves to other people. We tend to be jealous of the gifts one may have that I don't have. Causing differences in the body of Christ. Causing relationship problems here and here. I have to remember that when I begin to compare myself to others, I always come out short. Because if I compare finances, I'm always comparing myself to someone who always has more than I am. Than I have. 
If I talk about cars, someone's always got a faster car or a newer car than I have. If I talk about houses, someone's always got a bigger house than I have. So I have to be careful with that. I'm just thinking about an ordinary Wednesday night. Somebody may cook better than I am and is responsible for feeding people. I wish I could do that. Somebody may be a better organizer than you are. I wish I could do that. But what I need to realize is this, is that God has given each one of us gifts and talents. I said that earlier. And those gifts and talents are tied into the body of Christ. As I, as I am in the body of Christ, there isn't any member more important to God. Each one of us carries equal weight. Think of your own, think of your own body. <clears throat> Is one part more important than the other? Well, you may say, yeah. I mean, for some of us who are getting older and older, I can, you know, I may say, yeah, part time, you know, some parts, but maybe not. I don't We all have equal ranking with the Lord. How about something that really, really is, is causes conflict? How about speaking in tongues? How about prophecy? Do you know even just baptism causes people to separate in the body of Christ? Just a simple thing like baptism, and you may think I'm committing heresy when I say that. But I watch, I watch in churches, and again, I've got enough experience to watch churches react when we say, we're going to do a program in the Presbyterian church. And one pastor will say, I can't, I can't send my people to that. Controversy in the body of Christ. And all of it separates us from a God who loves and cares for us. So how do we change? How do we, how do we begin to become the body that God's called us to be? Well, you know, I think the positive thing is that we are, to some degree. We are meeting together. We're not forsaking the body. Okay? But I think there are a couple of other elements that I that I want to bring out. Let's leave fear behind. Let's talk about number one. And Paul wrote all about this. Then it's all in Romans as well. Are we free in the spirit to be who he's called us to be? And I would say to you, yes. We are free to be who God has called us to be, except in one area. And that is if my liberty or my freedom causes a weaker brother or sister to stumble, I need to hold back on my freedom out of respect for them and respect for the Lord. You see, I am forgiven. So that allows me to forgive. I am loved. 
and that allows me to love others. I am shown every single day grace and mercy. And that allows me to show mercy and grace to others. You see, you may not understand this, but what I say to you is being free. I have no expectations on people's lives. And that's because, don't misunderstand me when I say this, that's because I don't need anything from them. Because the Lord tells me that he is going to take care of every one of my needs. You see, often we find in counseling that it's the expectations that get us in trouble. I expected you to do, I expected you to do, I expected you to do, and you're not. Only causing me to be frustrated, anger, or even fearful. Expectations. Being free. Let's go to number two, and I think one of the most important, and I know you guys know what I'm talking about when I say we are to be transformed. We're not to conform to this world, but we are to be transformed by a renewed mind. That's the Word of God. So how often, how often do we spend in the Word of God? How often do we spend in the Word of God? In this transformation, I think is something else. I don't have to tell you that this culture that we live in today is a me generation. It's all about me, what I need, what I ought to have, what I deserve. So what's my focus? Is my focus on the body of Christ or is my focus on me? My focus is on me, is it not? So I can even, I can say to you that we are only focused on who we are, not on who he is. So in that transformational process, in that transformational process, we give that individualism up and we come, we become part of the body of Christ, knowing that is my purpose and that's where I belong being part of the family, being part of God's plan for my life. Somebody on my notes got it. There we go. And again, I've already talked about no part is more important than the other. Number three is we're to love our brothers and sisters. We are to love our brothers and sisters. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says it all, sums it up completely. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Verse 38 goes on, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving others. How do we do that? We can only do that with God's love. You see, we can't do it in our own power. And finally, number four, we are to serve our brothers and sisters. Now, I want you to think about that. We are to serve our brothers and sisters. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're to give up our lives. So as we look at community, how do we, how do we grow our community? I think that's what I thought about as I prepared this lesson. How do I do that? And I think I've just given you a number of reasons. One, we have been created to serve others. That includes in our families, that includes in the body of Christ, and that includes being in the community and serving. Because the more we serve, the more others will see Christ in us. Number two, we are to love unconditionally. We are to love unconditionally. Why? Because he first loved us and he loves me unconditionally. Just as this part of my shirt, he loves me unconditionally. He is a God who loves me. And finally, I think that the, the biggest thing is, again, freedom. Freedom in the word of Christ. Freedom in the, in the word God has given us. To be free, to worship and praise him individually in the body, but the freedom allows me not to be fearful as I go into my community and be who God has called me to be. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, Father, for giving me the opportunity, the honor of being here this morning. And I just pray, Father, that I delivered the word that you gave me. And it was a hard word. But, Father, I believe as believers, as part of the body of Christ, as part of the community, you are calling us to do a better job. You are calling us, Father, to walk more deeply in you. So that, Father, all that we do comes natural to us and is as you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.